Well, today, as you heard, we are concluding our series, The Good Shepherd. Somebody say, aww. Don't worry. It gets better. We got a brand new series starting next weekend. All right. We've been in a series the last several weeks called The Good Shepherd. And what we've been really digging into is this idea, this, this reality that sometimes we miss. It's that God really wants us to know him. God wants us to know him, and he wants us to relate to him according to what we know about him. You see, God's not interested in just what we want him to do for us. How many of you like being in relationships where all you is, do is give, 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 right? That's not a relationship. That's a transaction. See, God's not interested in just blessing us, right? He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. And so one of the best ways that God introduces himself to us is by depicting himself as a shepherd. In fact, a good shepherd. And we've been looking into the scriptures specifically upon a reflection, a psalm, from a guy named David. He was a king. And David was not unlike you and I. David had flaws. David had challenges. David had shortcomings. Am I talking to anybody that can relate? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Don't look at me with those holy eyes of yours. Right? We've all been there. We've all done that, right? And so uh, David was a man who had many struggles, many challenges in life, and yet God called him one who was a man after his own heart. And so you see, David knew something about relationship with God. He didn't just look at God as a good shepherd. He also understood that he was to relate to God as sheep. He was to follow after him. He was to trust him. He used to depend upon him. And so today we're going to go back to Psalm 23. We're going to look at the last two verses. But before we do that, I want to just simply say that today I bring you no opinion. I have, I'm not that smart, right? I'm not, I'm not here to tell you my own ideas. Today I do not suppose to speak for God. Today I simply want to point you to the truth in God's word. And I want you to consider a couple of things. I want you to ask God, God, is there something you're teaching me today? Something I wasn't aware of. God, are you showing me somewhere where I may be going wrong? Is there an error in my life? Right? I want you to be open to God and put your heart before God and say, God, is there a better way that you're showing me? Are you correcting me here? And lastly, posture yourself in such a way where you are open to God and you say, God, is there something you're calling me to do? Is there something you're asking me to do that I have not done? Let's go back to God's word. We're going to look at Psalm 23, verse 1 through 6. We're going to read it again, and let's let God speak to us. Let's open our hearts to God. Psalm 23, starting at verse 1, says, The Lord is my, come on, say it with me. The Lord is my what? Shepherd. And he says, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, it runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Come on, give God some praise. It's beautiful, the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. 
And today as we conclude our series, we're going to look at the second half of verse 5 and we're also going to look at verse 6, which reveal one of the most important aspects of our relationship with God. Let me give you context for what I'm trying to get at here. In verses 1 through the first half of verse 5, they illustrate the care that the Lord extends to us in our present circumstances. For example, when we experience need, he assures us that we will not remain in want. As we fret about our daily lives to make a living, to survive, and to, to, to get by day by day, he assures us that if we let him lead, we can be at peace because he provides us better pastures to enjoy his provision. When we're anxious and in turmoil, when things feel like uh, it's all chaotic within, he assures us that he refreshes us and is doing a deep work within us that restores us in the soul, the deepest part of our lives. When life is dark and we lack discernment, he assures us that he is with us and he is helping us as we press through and walk through life's valleys in relationship with him. And in the face of enemies, he assures us of his protection and his provision. Now, while these promises are powerful, friends, let me submit to you that something that maybe we've never thought about. They pale in comparison to the remaining verses in Psalm 23. You see, verse 5, the second half of verse 5 and verse 6 are most important because they go beyond our present need. They demonstrate what God wants to do in our lives for a lifetime. For a lifetime. See, for some of us, we want to live from miracle to miracle, my friend. But if you're going from miracle to miracle, that means that you're living constantly in crisis. We're living constantly in crisis. See, miracles are for those moments where it's like there's nothing else. It's everything's going to shambles. And God wants you to walk in his blessing. In his blessing. And so today, I want to talk to you from the heart of God on the topic, the blessing upon you. Go ahead and turn to somebody you don't know today and tell them you are truly blessed. Tell somebody else you are truly blessed of God. For those of you online, my friend, you are blessed. Hey, matter of fact, type that in the chat and tag somebody. Let them know that they are truly blessed. See, oftentimes, friends, we seek God's blessings in the moment of dire need. But here's the thing. When we're seeking God's blessing in dire need, we're actually acting as if God's blessing isn't already upon us. I need you to think about that. We're acting as if God's blessing is absent. And friend, I've got good news for you. Whether you know it or not, it is not absent. In fact, God's blessing is always present. It's chasing, if you're chasing God's blessing, friend, if you're trying to find God's blessing, that may be the very reason why you're missing it. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. In verse 5, the second half of verse 5, David says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Now, oil is indicative of anointing. It's indicative of choosing. It's indicative of separation unto holy things, the things of God. Friend, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible declares, I said the Bible declares, not my opinion, that you have an anointing. And you know all things. See, the reason why we don't know what we know is because we don't know that we know it. Chew on that one for a little bit. 
You are anointed of God. You are chosen of God. You are separated unto the things of God. You have been created for a good work. God has truly anointed you and set you apart. And back in those days and even until present day, as I understand it, shepherds are still in the practice of pouring oil on sheep. And the reason why they pour oil on sheep's head is because they use it to deter what are known as nose flies. These flies have a tendency to seek to get into the deepest crevices of the soft tissue membrane in a sheep's nose. And what they, the reason why they go there is because it's a prime environment for their eggs to become larvae. The problem is that when those eggs hatch and that larva begins to grow, it is very painful for sheep to such an extent that they are known to bang their heads upon trees, upon the ground, upon rocks, sometimes to the, to, to, to the extent that they suffer great damage and even lose their life at times. And so a good shepherd anoints, he pours oil on his sheep for the purposes of protecting them of keeping them safe, of deterring any attack, anything that may seek to take hold, quote-unquote, of the mind. Right? And so the, 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 what Psalm 23 begins to show us is that the anointing upon you isn't just on you, friends. It overflows. It overflows. See, God's not into anointing you for the moment. No, God gives, he anoints you in such a way that wherever you go, that anointing is flowing in greater measure. Come on and tell somebody, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. So you see, God's, God wants you to walk in his blessing. But verse 6 tells us something very interesting, which my wife touched on last week when we were uh, in the portion of uh, giving our tithes and our offering the, David says, your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When the Bible talks about God's goodness and mercy following us, the original language denotes a chase. It depicts a chase. It's hot, being in hot pursuit, like you're being chased down. In fact, uh, in, some, in, in some regards, it even alludes to being hunted down. And so you see, friend, you have no reason to chase the blessing of God because I've got good news for you. It's already with you. In fact, it's chasing you. Wherever you go, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. Let me show you this from Scripture lest you think I'm giving you my opinion. Ephesians 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Say that with me. Blessed. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Let's leave that up for a moment. This is not telling us that we're blessed in heaven. This is telling us where our blessings flow from. The location of your blessing flows from the throne of God. And you are blessed wherever you go. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Do you realize that what the scripture is saying is that you lack no blessing? You lack no blessing. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. Second Peter 1 verse 3 goes on to tell us this. It says that his divine nature has given to us how many things? All things. Oh, come on. Say that like you believe it. How many things? All things, all things that pertain to life and to godliness. That's relationship with God. 
through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Do you realize what the scripture is telling you and I? It's telling us that we are fully equipped. You are the full package. You lack nothing. Wherever you go, you are resourced. Wherever you go, you are anointed. Wherever you go, you are fully equipped for every good work. Because you are blessed. I don't know. Some, some of you not getting this yet. See, the blessing of God is with you and I. But friends, as long as you're spinning your wheels trying to chase it, you'll miss it. Why? Because you're overlooking what you already have. Friend, you are already blessed. You're already blessed. So when David says that goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. Let me put it in the original language. When David says that God's goodness and mercy shall hunt us down. Chase us down. Pursue us all the days of our lives. Friend, it should remind you and I that the only reason why God's blessing is chasing us is because some of us still run from it. And for some of us, we, we go, oh, I'm not running from the blessing of God. Friend, we all take our eyes off of the blessing of God at times. The reason why God's blessing continues to chase you, to pursue you, is because God has made up his mind that wherever you go and whatever you set your hands to and whatever you are, you are called to do, that he has blessed it and you are blessed for it and you can't undo that blessing. Come on and tell somebody you are truly blessed. You are truly blessed, my friend. My friend online, you are truly blessed. You who were tagged online, you are truly blessed. You really are truly blessed. And so we have a great example in the scriptures through the life of a woman named Naomi. Naomi was an Israelite woman who was familiar with the blessing of God. She had seen God do miraculous things, be a great blessing unto his people through the judges that he had appointed. She had heard of the blessing of God, but Naomi had come to the place where she was in the practice of running from it. She was running from the blessing of God. You see, there came a day when famine struck the land of Israel. And she and her husband decided to take their two sons and leave Israel to a land called Moab. Quick, quick, quick side note. Moab was a place of pagan worship. Moab, Moab was inhabited by people that were enemies of Israel. They detested the things of God. And so they go there. We got our own Moabs that we go to sometimes. We take our eyes off the blessing of God and we go chasing after Moab. Why did they go to Moab? They went to Moab because they heard that there was food there. They believed that there was more in Moab than there was in Israel. So they went to Moab. But you see, when you go to your Moab, things get worse. And according to the book of Ruth, what we find is that when they got there, her husband passes away. Her two sons who were with her, they lasted another 10 years. They married women from Moab, which was a big no-no, but nonetheless, that's what they did. And they eventually lost their lives. Now, this is bad news because Naomi finds herself in a really precarious predicament. You see, in those days, according to Jewish law and practice, when your husband, or your, when your husband deceased, you depended on your children to provide for you. Well, she had no children. All she had were two daughter-in-laws. And so things were really bad. And so 
in the midst of all this, Naomi gets wind of the fact that the Lord has come to the aid of Israel. She hears there's bread in Israel. And she turns to her daughter, to, to, to the sons of uh, uh, her son's wives who had deceased her daughters-in-law. And she says to them, hey, go back and remarry. Stay with your people. Go back to your gods. But it wasn't because she didn't want them with her. It was because she had a deep-seated belief that went against what God had declared over her. Listen to what Ruth chapter 1 verse 13 says. She says, it is more bitter for me than for you. She says, I'm worse off than you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Stop right there. Listen to what she's saying. God has turned his hand against me. God has taken his blessing from me. God has removed his anointing from my life. And so her first daughter-in-law, Orpah, says, I want nothing to do with that. And so she goes, I'm going back to Moab. She leaves. But her second daughter-in-law, a young woman named Ruth, says to her, no, 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 no. I don't believe that. She says, where you go, I'll go. And where you stay, I'll stay. And your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And so they leave Moab. She can't get rid of Ruth. That she couldn't get rid of her because the blessing of God was going to flow through that. And so they get to Israel. And when they get to Israel, the people rejoiced when they saw Naomi. In fact, the scripture records that they said, can this actually be Naomi? It's Naomi. Everybody's excited. Naomi's home. And what's Naomi's response in verse 20 of, uh, of chapter 1? She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. She's blaming God for her calamity. She's blaming God for her mistakes. She's blaming God for her and her husband making a choice to go to Moab. God had nothing to do with it. And so she says, call me Mara because the Almighty has turned his hand against me. Next verse, please. He goes on to say, and I went away. What? Full. So she's talking about when she left Israel. Remember that. We're going to go back to that. She says, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. So why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Lord has brought misfortune upon me. What we're seeing here is that Naomi is convinced that God has taken his blessing from her. And I want you to draw the correlation between what happens when we believe the blessing of God has left us and what life becomes. It goes bad. Not because God is bad. Not because God doesn't love you. But because we reject the blessing that is upon us. Friend, i got to ask you a question this morning to consider for yourself. Are you rejecting the blessing of God? Are you dismissing the fact that God's blessing is upon you? See, even when she was at her worst, the blessing of God was upon her. We're going to see that in a second. And so the first point I want to leave you with here today is that you are more blessed than you realize. 
Friend, you are more blessed than you realize. I got to say that again because some of you don't believe me. You are more blessed than you realize. You are more blessed than you realize. Sir, you are more blessed than you realize. Ma'am, you are more blessed, 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 and highly favored than you realize. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. And it's all a doing of God. See, Naomi had become so convinced that God's hand was against her that she, rege she rejected the blessing declared over her at birth. In those days, when you named your child, and you should do this even today, when you name your child, you should be uh, uh, intentional about their naming because you're speaking destiny over them. Naomi's name meant my delight. My delight. You are my delight. And here we have a woman whose legacy was meant to not only be God's delight, but to bring a delight everywhere she went. And she's saying, I reject that. Call me Mara because I'm bitter. Because God has afflicted me. She's rejecting the blessing. And when we reject the blessing, something happens. Let's watch this quick video and see what I'm talking about. This is an awareness test. How many times does the team in white pass the ball? If you answered 13 passes, you are correct. But did you see the moonwalking gorilla? Let me ask you a question. How many of you actually saw the moonwalking gorilla? Oh, stop lying. <laughs> some of us saw it. Some, many of us didn't. What's my point with that? I love the, the, what it says at the end. It's easy to miss what you're not looking for. Friend, if God says you're blessed, then you should walk with the expectation of God's blessing daily. When you walk into your workplace, don't you realize that you are the blessing of God in that place? When you walk into your home, you are the blessing of God in that place. When you walk into various aspects of this community, you are the blessing of God. Wherever you go, you carry the blessing. I've said this often in past years. When you show up, God shows up. Amen. The blessing of God is upon you. So how do we miss that? And from Naomi's life example, we see that she lived in bitterness because she reduced the blessing of God to her possessions. Let me put it to you this way. Naomi assumed, she believed in her heart of hearts, if I have bread, I'm blessed, and if I don't, then I'm not blessed. If things are good, I'm blessed, but if they're not going good, I'm not blessed. See, I want you to notice in verse 21, we, we just read it, that Naomi said that when she and her husband and her children left Israel, that she went away full. 
She said she went away full. Back up. There was a famine in Israel. Nobody had bread. Everybody was starving. But way back then, Naomi understood something. I'm still blessed. I'm still leaving full. And so now when she comes back to Israel, she comes back empty, not because God's blessing wasn't upon her. She comes back empty because she had lost sight of the blessing upon her. Are you paying attention to your blessing? Wear your crown well, son and daughter of God. You are blessed. And you truly are favored of God. And so you are blessed in your highs and in your lows. You are blessed in your coming and in your going. You're blessed when it's good and when it's not good. You're blessed in much and in little. Friend, the reason why some of us are not reaping from our blessing is because we are responding incorrectly to life. And thereby, we are blocking God's blessing. Let me give you a great example of how to respond to life when it's good and when it's not good to continue to walk in your blessing. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 12, he goes on to say, I know uh, what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, listen, I have learned the secret of being content. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He goes on to say this, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Many of us, we, pref we prefer verse 13. We just want verse 13. I just... I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Yes, I claim that. But do you understand that the context for what the Apostle Paul is saying by revelation of the Holy Spirit is, listen, when I'm lacking and when I have much, when it's good and when it's not good, when I'm fed and when I'm hungry, no matter what season or circumstance I'm facing in life, I'm still blessed and as such, I can make it. Friend, you can do all things and you can endure when you know you're blessed. When you know you're blessed. So though Naomi had forgot the blessing of God upon her life, it's interesting, God's blessing never stopped working. You see, her daughter-in-law Ruth was with her, this Moabite woman who left her family, left her gods, left her land, left it all to go with, with, with Naomi all of a sudden gets inspired and she says, oh, no, we got to eat. And so she says, I got to go find us some sustenance. You may not have sons, but I'm here. So let me get up and let me go see what I can find for us. And she ends up in the field of a man named Boaz. Boaz. Turns out Boaz was a distant relative of Naomi's husband who was deceased. And so according to the law in these times, Whenever it was the season of harvest, as your reapers were harvesting what was, what was now already in prime to be picked, at times they would drop some of it because it was so much. And according to Jewish law, you could not pick up what dropped on the floor. You were to leave that there for the person who could not provide for themselves. And so Ruth shows up on this field not knowing who Boaz is, 
wanting to help Naomi, and she goes to this field, and she asks, can I pick up some leftovers? What she didn't realize is that what she called leftovers, God would use to be a great blessing unto her. Don't dismiss the small things in your life, friend. Don't dismiss them. God's doing something great even there. And so Boaz happens to notice Ruth, and he goes, who is this woman? Whose is she? And his servants tell him, uh, that's Naomi's daughter-in-law. She's the Moabite that everybody's talking about that came and left her gods and left her land to be with Naomi to help her. And so he says, let her pick up whatever she wants. And in fact, he instructs his servants to leave her more than leftovers. To let her take as much as she wants, not only for her needs, but for Naomi. See, God's blessing was still on Naomi. But the blessing wasn't working because she wasn't doing anything for it to work. Hear where I'm coming from. It wasn't until Ruth stepped out to do something that God had someone to work with. Let me tell you something about your blessing. The blessing of God is upon you, but you must do something for it to work for you. I'm going to say that again. The blessing of God is upon you. But you must do something for it to work for you. See, the blessing of God is with you whether you're doing something or you don't. But you see, the Bible says that God blesses the works of your hands. Your hands have to be applied. Your faith has to be applied. We have to take steps. If you're just waiting for the blessing of God to come upon you from the sweet by and by, my friend, you will wait till you turn blue and you will eventually choke out. The Bible says that our faith must be worked out. Our salvation must be worked out. In other words, it's already in you, but you've got to exercise what you have so that it can start working for you. Amen? So the blessing of God is upon you. But God's blessing needs an outlet. Let me give you some scripture, lest you think I'm giving you my own opinion. 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 9, verse 8 says this, and God is what? Some of you don't believe that. We're going to try that again. And, and, and God is what? Hey, I think you guys may have it. But, but God's, God is what? Able. able. Okay, let's try this together. God is what? Able. He is able to make all grace abound toward you. Now, that's important. Let's pause there for a moment because grace is the source of the blessing upon you. See, the grace of God is his favor towards you regardless of what you do to get it. Grace is a gift from God that you and I can do nothing to earn. Do you know that the person who does not believe in Christ is blessed and they don't know it? Let me tell you why. The Bible says that God is patient, that he desires that no one perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. See, even the unbeliever is blessed. God is waiting. God is blessing them. God, this message is going forward. He's surrounding you with people that you may not know is God in disguise. God loves you. He's blessing you. And so the grace of God, which is the source of our blessing, the scripture says, God is able to make that grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things. Stop. Pause right there. Let's think about what that's saying. It's saying that because we have God's grace towards us, you have all that you need in life. 
You are sufficiently supplied for. But for what reason? Watch this. That you may have an abundance for what? Every good work. So, let's break this down. Notice that God is able to make his grace, his blessing abound towards us so that we have all that we need. So that part, part's been taken care of. But his blessing abounds for a good work. So if you're waiting and you're not working, guess what? It won't work. He's already abounded his grace towards you. His blessing is already upon you. But, friend, you have to apply yourself. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that. <laughs> See, friend, you are already blessed, but you must start applying yourself. You must start taking steps forward. You must try something different. You must start that business. You must explore different avenues. You must go and knock on new doors. You must seek new opportunities because when you do, the blessing of God is already upon you and it now has a channel to flow to and flow through. Go ahead and tell somebody, show up. Tell somebody else it's time to show up. Yeah, my friend, you online, it's time to show up. Go try something. And so eventually, Naomi decides that she wants to do something right by finding Ruth a husband. You see, I mean, Ruth has been so nice to her. She's gone out. She's coming back with all this wheat and all this barley. They have something to eat. She's a faithful daughter-in-law. And she says, sweetheart, you deserve a husband. Not only because I want you to have a husband, but because you deserve for the legacy of your husband, who is now deceased, to be carried on. According to Jewish law, when a wife was widowed, right, the only person that was supposed to marry her was supposed to be a king's, a, someone who was their kin. Someone who had a right, who was next in line to marry her, take possession of all that her husband had uh, lost when he deceased, and then carry on the legacy of the deceased man by giving her sons and then carrying on his name. So Ruth, uh, Naomi wants to do something really good for Ruth. And she hatches a plan. You see, she realizes that Boaz could be that man. And so she goes, girl, get your nails did. Come on, put on some makeup. Yep, put on that extra, extra hot red lipstick. Prop your hair up, girl. Get your braids done. Mm-hmm. Put on that dress. You better wear those high heels, girl. Stretch your stuff. Put on some oud de toilet. You may not have that good stuff, but put something on that's going to give you a little, a little something to smell good. Right? Shave, right? I'm t I mean, hey, armpits, you know, like, shave. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Come on, don't look at me like that. You know what I'm talking about. And so she tells her, get yourself all together. And then here's what I want you to do. Boaz is going to be, after a long day, he's going to be with his friends at this inn. They're going to be eating. They're going to be drinking. And then afterwards, he's going to go to where he's threshing wheat. And what you're going to do is you're going to go there after he's eating, after he's had a few drinks, you're going to show up. And as he's sleeping, you're going to uncover his feet. 
and you're going to lay at his feet. And don't you worry about what that means because when he sees what you've done, he's going to realize what you're saying. So Ruth shows up. Boaz is knocked out, right? She, she uncovers his feet. She lays at his feet. Boaz wakes up, and he's in shock because he's an older man. And, you know, Ruth, she's this pretty young thing, right? And so he's like... Whoa, what, what, what is going on here? And what she was communicating to him by this was, I want to come under you and be your wife. Would you accept me as your wife? Would you take me as your beloved? And so Boaz goes, well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I am blessed and highly favored. But Ruth, we got a little situation. Got a little situation, Ruth. You see, while I am a kin of your deceased husband, there's actually someone before me that has right to you before I do. So he says, you, you don't worry about it. Let me go handle that. So long story short, he goes, he addresses this guy. He tells him, hey, you hit the jackpot. Ruth's husband passed away. You have right to all his lands, all his possessions, but... You can't just take that. You also have to take her as your wife. And he goes, I would love the lands, but I want nothing to do with her. You can have it all. So now Boaz goes, cha-ching, jackpot, right? And watch what happens. Ruth 4.13 through 16 says this. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. This is a monumental moment. You'll see why. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. Without someone who now has to take care of you. May he become famous throughout Israel. It goes on to say, he will renew your life and sustain you in, all, in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the woman, the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. We're going to touch that in a second. We're going to touch that in a second. But what I want you to see is that this blessing was not just for the moment. This blessing was now meant to go on for a lifetime. For a lifetime. My friend, let me remind you, the blessing of God is upon you. But yeah, you got to show up and start working. You got to start doing something. The last point I want to leave you with in light of what we just read is this. Don't miss your blessing because you stop seeking the God who blesses you. Let me say that again. Don't miss your blessing because you stopped seeking the God who blesses you. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Naomi understood that there was more to the kindness that Boaz was showing towards her and Ruth. She perceived rightly that God was in the middle of this. And so instead of settling for leftovers from his field, she decided to pursue a permanent connection to the one who God was using to release his blessing. In other words, she stopped seeking the blessing 
and started seeking the blesser. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you why that's so important. And this is an honest moment that we have to have between us and God. Friends, sometimes we just want the blessing without the blesser. We just go to God for what he can do for us, but not who he is to us. You know what's one thing about sheep? Sheep are actually very smart animals because they know I'm going to stay where the blessing is because I want to stay with the blesser. See, as long as I'm with the shepherd, it's all good. As long as I'm with the shepherd, I'll never lack. I'll never be in want. I'll always find green pastures. Things will always work out for my good. Why? Because I know my shepherd. And my shepherd loves me. And my shepherd cares for me. Friend, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. But stop trying to use God for his blessing and start chasing the blesser. Let me tell you why this is so important. Because the moment Naomi started chasing the blesser, it didn't just bless her for the moment. It blessed us even until this very day. Notice that the grandson that she had, his name was Obed. And Obed was the father of a man named Jesse. And Jesse was the father of a guy named David who wrote Psalm 23, whom God said, through you, through your line, I will bless all the nations. I will establish my kingdom forever. Friends, the reason why we stand here today as followers of Christ. The reason why we've walked into this grace is because Naomi was wise enough to start chasing the blesser instead of the blessing. Stop overlooking God. Because in overlooking God, you'll miss every blessing he has for you. As we stand here and come to a close, I want to leave you with one portion of Scripture. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8, stand with us, please, if you will. says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Listen, listen to what this is telling us. It's telling us that the man who's blessed is the one whose trust is in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, not in what the Lord can do for him. Goes on to say in verse uh, 8, uh, for he shall be like a tree that is planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when he comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. My friends, this is the blessing upon you. That even in dry times, you yourself will be refreshed. You will be refreshed. You will walk in the blessing and in the goodness of God. And it is for his name's sake. Come on and give God some praise if you believe that today. This day, Father, we thank you for your blessing. We thank you, Lord, that it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with anything that we do for it, Lord. It's by your grace and your grace alone. It's because you are faithful. It's because you are good. It's because you love us. It's because you never change. And so, Lord, today, 
we readily, openly, willingly accept your blessing. We count ourselves blessed, Lord, so that wherever we go, we can be your blessing. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.